Hello, listener of Talk With Me. <laughs> it's always fun for me to be able to introduce the show to think about what we're going to do. And you just heard a little hi from our guest. And I'm going to keep you in the dark for just a minute about, well, probably more than a minute. But anyway, about, you know, kind of what's going on. We're recording this show during April, which is also known as National, National Poetry Month. Lots of cool things going on all over. So if you're in the Kansas City, Lawrence, Topeka area, there's some great things, including that you would be able to go to a poetry fair on Saturday, April 15th at the Lawrence Arts Center, 130 to 5. And there are poets coming in from Kansas City and Topeka, as well as Lawrence for that, even though it's our Lawrence thing. Um, readings, book sales, chances to network, get to, to know some of those writers, and diverse things and styles of writing, things that people talk about in their writing. It's be a really, really great event that's organized. Um, this is the fourth annual one here, um, organized by Beth Schultz, who is a lovely person, poet, um, in her academic career was known as a Melville scholar. And now um, her other interests have gotten to get more light, uh, and those include feminism and environmentalism and poetry, um, beautiful poetry. And so this is kind of Beth's event that she has gifted the community with. And then on April 21st through 23rd in Kansas City, the Kansas City Throwdown, this is the second Kansas City Throwdown hosted mainly at Prospero's Books. Huge shout out to Jameson Bales and Jason Reberg, who are the main ones making this thing happen. And it's huge. And this one brings poets from all across the country, names you will recognize if you've been loving poetry for a while, people you'll be glad to get to know if you're just kind of checking out what poetry is. There'll be fun, there'll be intensity, there'll be levity, there'll be drinking, there'll be, <laughs> who knows? Um, and there'll also be a cool workshop by some small press representatives who are also poets. Um, so most of the things are at Prospero's April 21st to 23rd. This is 2017. Um, some things, including the Writers Publishers Workshop, will be at the Writers Place. There may be a few other locations, and it'll be a great event. So celebrate that, and then know that Thursday, April 27th is Poem in Your Pocket Day. That means share some poetry that day, you know? And literally, it's fine to carry poetry in your pocket. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I have a poem that is in the case of my phone, because I'm a nerd who uses a covered phone case. I don't like people looking at my phone. <laughs> and then I have a different poem that is in the pocket of the the big bag that carries when I'm working and doing that stuff, you know, that, 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 so I always have those two poems nearby. And and I'd love, if you've seen me posted on Talk With Me, I have a certain set of poems for all. Huge shout out to Robert Hansen, who is the poems for all person. This wonderful gift of, as he says, scattering poetry like seeds, you know, these little books with lovely covers and poems from people from all over the country. And then there's this Scottish series in honor of his roots. Um, wonderful things. Look for poems for all online. Um, I'll say we'll, we'll be we'll be talking about that some more in the future because there's going to be some growth spurt for poems for all, which is exciting. And and also in my little always with me poem, there is one by Wolfgang Karstens of Epic Rights Press. Uh, so there's all kinds of awesome poetry going on all the time. Carry some with you, share some with you, go to readings, listen to talk with me, and you'll hear some poets a lot of the times. So you can tell by the descriptions of the shows. And that's one of these shows today. And so I want to introduce the guest today who is very involved with both music and poetry. Um, and my guest is known in publication circles as K.W. Peary. And I guess as friends, we get to call him Kevin. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? Hi, Marcia. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, I grew up uh, in uh, north central Missouri on, on a farm. Uh, joined the Navy right out of high school. 
went to went uh, in the Navy uh, active duty for four years as a Navy corpsman, and then uh, got out of the Navy and went to school on the GI Bill and became a registered nurse and uh, migrated from up around the Chillicothe, Trenton, Missouri area down to St. Joe and then made my way into the Kansas City Metro around 2002 and worked at uh, St. Mary's Hospital in Blue Springs uh, primarily. Um, and met my wife and got married and um, then around 2005 met the owner of Soundworks Recording Studio here in Blue Springs Um, and I had been kind of a closet writer for a number of years and had really not shared my work with anyone until then and uh, shared my work one one evening with Andy Oxman who owns Soundworks and he said hey I need to hook you up with some guys who struggle to write lyrics for songs and so that's kind of how everything started in 05 and so we released an album in 2005 called Rainy Day Tennessee under the Marshall Perry Project Um, that's Kenny Marshall and Kevin Perry and then we use a lot of studio musicians to kind of round everything out. And then uh, 2007, we released an album called Purge Your Soul. And then uh, 2011, uh, High Binder. And then 2013, Life's Too Short. Um, and we're getting ready to go back in the studio in the next few months to to start work on, on our next uh, album. Um, music and thing, to me, that, that's a whole other, a whole part of a conversation is how you get music out into the world these days, you know, what, what formats, because I say this in every show, we need to support artists. That means we need to buy their stuff, you know, not just listen yeah. to it or read it free online. <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's, um, that's another part of the conversation. Yeah. I, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. Um, There are a significant number of parallels between the folks in the poetry community Mm -hmm. and the folks in the independent music realm. It kind of works the same. We all kind of support one another and help cross-promote one another and travel together and do whatever we can to help, um, you know, put it all together and Mm -hmm. to create an awareness for other folks' work that, you know, that that you that you like and respect. And um, so basically um, through Soundworks Recording Studio, I was also introduced to a number of songwriters here locally, uh, Scott Ford from the Scott Ford Band and Bryant Carter. uh, And I have have written together. I think I've had cuts on all of his albums up to this point. He has a new album coming out soon as well as Scott Ford. Um, But I pretty much my lyrics are uh, uh, written specifically for the Marshall Perry project. And then anything that may be left over, then, you know, folks can, can have, have uh, dibs on um, Mm -hmm. later on. So in 13, 2013, I started kind of working on my first poetry collection because as a writer, you, you come up with a lot of song, what I call song parts, but you really, they couldn't find a home. So um, I began working uh, on, on a poetry collection called Tales of Receding Hairline. And in 2006, well, late 2015, I found a publisher in New Jersey that uh, liked my work and wanted to publish me. And so in February of 16, we released Tales of Receding Hairline. Mm-hmm. It was uh, received, you know, really well. Um, and so I got to work and put together a second poetry collection called Purgatory, which was released in September of last year. And then um, my most recent collection is called Wicked Rhythm, and it was just released last week on the 7th of April. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'll have a fourth collection coming out called Ozark Howler, and that'll be this fall. Wow, you are quite. Um, I mean, it's like that's that's a lot of poetry to be getting out into the world in a short amount of time. Congratulations and thanks. <laughs> well, I kind of I, I have a joke with friends. I, I feel like I'm kind of in the zone. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just writing a lot um, uh-huh. lately. Yeah, it and, reminds uh, me of 
I I uh, recently did a show with Cliff Brooks, who's in the kind of near Atlanta, Georgia. He's with a he he founded this thing called the Southern Collective Experience, and so he is a poet, and he also has sort of built this multi um, artist, multi types of art artist group um, with with kind of a vision and a variety of things they do together. But anyway, Cliff was saying that, that when, he, when he was first getting published and he he sent some poems to uh, a publisher agent who he, an agent who he'd worked with uh, previously on some, was actually uh, doing some fiction and then decided to go ahead and send some poetry too. And the person really liked the poetry. It's like, so you got more of that. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't really, you know. So that yes, it's time to write, you know, and 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 pulled it off very beautifully. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Sometimes you get on a roll and it works. That's great. Yeah, right. And uh, gonna, I'm fortunate. I'm going to be a part of uh, the Vincent Van Gogh anthology called Resurrection of a Sunflower, and it was curated by uh, Catfish McDerris. And then I'll be in the Walsall Poetry Society anthology called the Diverse Verse Two, uh, and it's for charity in Australia. Wow! And I believe it's for it's to help support uh, children with cancer. So I felt like that was a really good cause, and feel fortunate yeah. to be part of that project as well. Yeah. yeah! Wow! So lots of writing, lots of publication on paper as well as online and music. So you got lots of art going on all the time. So I want to. I always like to back up and say and get get some sort of like when when did this stuff happen for you? Like how long have you been making music or writing, whichever came first? I've been writing, uh, dating all the way back to in in probably junior high, um, and I just really didn't share my writing with with many folks, but. I'll tell on my age a little bit, you know, whenever I was growing up, we didn't have cell phones. We actually wrote each other letters. So, um, uh, so I, I did, uh, exchange letters with a number of people throughout the years. And I feel like that really kind of lends to, you know, writing overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, in a sense, when you're, when you're, um, writing a letter, you're telling a story. So, um, you know, I, I wrote a lot whenever I was in the service to family members and friends. And so um, whenever I got out of the service, uh, there really wasn't as much of a need for that. But I just continued to write. Okay. And then, like I said, in, in uh, it was 2005, early 2005, when I met Andy um, through my wife. Um, and um, he's a phenomenal guitar player and owns the studio here and he really liked my work so mm-hmm. uh he introduced me to Kenny Marshall first and then you know then I was introduced to a number of local singer songwriters uh-huh. um our music was first played on a internet radio station which was new at the time called Radio Free Texas and so I was introduced to a number of recording artists throughout the United States and actually overseas as well. Um, and so I started collaborating online, right, you know, co-writing mm-hmm. songs, you know, virtually, which is, you know, even probably 15 years ago would have been not as, not as easy as it is today. Uh-huh. But because of technology, we're able to collaborate, you know, yeah. a great distance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and so you've got all this art stuff, and then you've got this science side of you because your work is nursing. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, at my background, like I said, I, I started out as a Navy corpsman, uh, and I worked primarily in the pharmacy as a Navy corpsman at Balboa Naval Hospital in San Diego, and then Millington, Tennessee had a Navy hospital at the time just outside of Memphis. And so I worked in the pharmacy. And so when I got out of this, out and and then went to nursing school on the GI Bill, I, I my first job out of out of school was in the emergency room. And then um, then I worked uh, uh, 
at St. Mary's Hospital and uh, critical care in the ICU and the emergency room. And then um, I, ha I sustained a work injury around 05. And uh, so I changed up. I, I left the bedside and went to Lake City uh, at the Army Ammunition Plant as the employee health nurse and took care of all the work injuries. And so I've, I've been a, a nurse case manager for work comp um, ever since. Um, so I, at this point in time in my career, I work from home and I manage work injury cases in primarily in Florida, but also some, some other southern states. But I'm licensed in Missouri, Kansas, Florida, and West Virginia. And Missouri is a compact state, so we can practice in, I think it's around 25 states. Mm, okay. um, so I can see work injury claims from you know, probably about half the United States, depending on, you know, what day it is and, and how busy we are. Mm -hmm. So your your nursing work at this point is pretty solitary. Is that right? It's just you? Uh, it's, it's case management It's it, it and it's telephonic. So I'm, I'm working with the injured worker cool. um, telephonically and then coordinating care you know, depending on the level of injury, you know, I'll be interfacing with doctors and nurses and, and therapy team members uh, to kind of customize the care. Right. Oh, that's really great. So it's not, I, I, you know, I was thinking because of the distance, but then, then you used the phone as a way of being connected to your patients and the people that they need their care from. So it's, it's not right. you, this unknown person behind the scenes it's interactive. I, I feel kind of like air traffic control some days i'm just trying <laughs> to keep planes off the ground so to uh -huh. speak because i really am coordinating the and orchestrating the care yeah. um and trying to get and advocate for the injured worker to try to get them back as close to the prior level function as possible mm -hmm. prior you know whatever their level of function was prior to their injury mm -hmm. which i'm assuming you can relate to since you're saying that's what I just think, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it, and and I've always, uh, you know, I think primarily went into nursing to advocate for for patients. Mm -hmm. um, and so it um, it's a rewarding career, and I wouldn't want to do anything any different. I don't think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Gives me a it, little balance. Yeah. <laughs> And and the the reminder that we can do incredible helping via technology. It's not always going to yes. be in the room. And in fact, with people living in rural communities, rural as defined by small population per you know in the area, it's like the only way people can get good care is when technology is used. There's not going to be that expertise that specific service that they need necessarily right there within, you know, a, a 20 minute car drive or whatever. And so there's right. a lot of emphasis on how we use technology to help people with physical health care needs and substance abuse needs and mental health care needs, you know, that all that is, it's a different, different way. And it's, those are tools that we need. So that's, that's really, that's really great that, that's part of your work is using technology, in this case, phone technology, to, to help people who can be very geographically far from you, but can very much have interaction with you, get to know you, and and that's right. that's important. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, so what does a week look like for you with music and writing poetry that's meant to be poetry? And, you know, you've obviously got your workday stuff. Do you tend to do some kind of art most days? I I try to do something every day, whether it be you know promoting myself or or my or, or friends, um, uh, you know via social media and 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 I I really do try to carve out time every day to write at least something. Um, it may not be a complete piece, but I you know I do like to to exercise my muscles and, and try to get something down on paper. Mm -hmm. um, it just makes me feel better um, yeah. if, if I'm able to. Now, that, that being said, I'm not always able to write, and I really 
I won't force it. If it's not there, I won't force it. But generally, I'll have two or three ideas marinating at any given time so that I have something I can work on. Mm -hmm. And when you said write and you, you made the reference of putting it on paper, do you literally write on paper at the beginning or are you writing on technology? It depends on where I'm at at the time. Generally, I will go to the to the pad and, and pen um, first and mm -hmm. formulate and reformulate things until I'm satisfied. And then I'll use technology. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll capture it somehow on technology. But um, uh, but yeah, I'm kind of old school in that respect. I still like to, to actually write the words down on paper. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear more about like what this is for you. Like how, how did writing become something that's really important to you? Because I, I have this sense from, from artists of whatever kind that there's, there's a personal need and benefits in the creation. And then there's another level when that art gets shared. But for most people, it really starts with there was this stuff I needed to do. I needed I needed to do this. You know, what, what's that been like for you? Like, what what is it that happens for you when you're able to get those words on paper, whether they're song lyrics or poetry? You mean where the ideas come from? No, I mean, like, what's what's sort of the, the meaning for you in your life that you do this? What what prompts you? What motivates you to do it? Well, I, I mean, the, I think the motivation stems from having known a, a great number of storytellers, some related to me, some not related to me. I grew up in a rural community where storytelling was just kind of a central part of of what we do up there. And, um, so I think, and, and for me, the fuel comes from wanting to um, honor, you know, my roots, uh, you know, and that storytelling, you know, uh, world that I come from um, and do right by them, as they used to say, um, you know, and so that's where it comes from. I was fortunate to know my great grandparents as well as all of my grandparents and grew up with a very rich and vivid storytelling community. So it was, you know, I couldn't help but be shaped and influenced by that. Uh -huh. So do you, do you hear some of those stories that you were told coming through in some of what you write? Oh yeah. I mean, and especially, um, I'm three collections in now, and so in Wicked Rhythm, you'll certainly um, see a, a lot of what has influenced me over the years. I'm in a very sentimental mode in my writing right now, where I'm reliving a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. you know, the encounters and experiences and moments in my life that were most meaningful. Uh huh. Well, maybe now would be a great time to share some poetry if you're willing. Sure. Uh, this will dovetail nicely with one uh, in, uh, in the book called Big Tom. Uh, Big, uh, Big Tom. Tom was uh, a fellow that uh, uh, I knew growing up, and he was the greatest storyteller I, I've, ever, I've ever encountered, uh, Big Tom. A backcountry genius and self-made man, he'd surely shoot the moon just to trick a weaker hand. A storytelling rascal, Big Tom was the best. Meadville to Humphreys, all parts east to west. He'd tell a ghost story just to watch me squirm. Raw head and bloody bones, he painted with his words. Big Tom was as solid as a mighty ancient timber. He taught me a lot, far back as I remember. Drove a mint green Ford and wheeled the Deutz D80. Loved to eat fried quail with some torn bread and gravy. He was usually tough on tires and smooth on the trigger. Ran the sleekest hounds. There was nobody richer. He'd tell a ghost story just to watch me squirm. Raw head and bloody bones. He painted with his words. Big Tom was as solid as a mighty ancient timber. He taught me a lot. Far back as I remember. That's very sweet. Was he, I don't know if he's alive now, but were you able at some point to 
to let him know in some ways how important he was to you? Uh, yes. And, you know, um, where I grew up, we we saw each other frequently and and he would the the raw head and bloody bones was was like a ghost story and I demanded he tell me that even in my adult years I I needed to hear that story from him um, and so that's why it's embedded within my work I I I want to I don't want to ever forget that so um, but uh, yeah we were we were related by marriage my my mom's sister Shirley married. Uh, Big, big Tom's son, Dick. And so we're related through marriage. Um, and so we, we did do some hunting and fishing together over the years. And, and I was, uh, able to, to share with him that I, that I really felt he was the greatest storyteller, uh, that I'd ever been exposed to. And I think he appreciated that. And, um, it's, and I miss him, you know, um, these, uh, these folks that that come into your life for a for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, and he he was certainly uh, there for a very important season of my life, and so uh, I'll always remember Tom. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase you just said that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. That's correct. That's that's at least, and I'm not sure exactly where that comes from. Um, I'm sure I I ripped it off from somewhere. Um, but I, I really do believe that. Uh-huh. That's, 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 I, I like that. It's very powerful to me because I've been, I've had that experience of being in a room and just connecting with somebody and like this person, I, I think right now I'm thinking about a dear friend who lives in Charleston, South Carolina. And we met at a conference that we go to, um, in fact, I'll be going to next week um, on suicide prevention and being in a room in a discussion and just realizing this is somebody who's a friend, who's part of, you know, part of the, the, the friends that are those for a lifetime. And sure enough, you know, all these years, even though I live in Lawrence, Kansas, and she lives in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, the, the friendship is deep and rich. And, that's it's yep. important to, to know there are there are people sometimes they're just your people for a lifetime and maybe some others yeah. who there's a short-term reason and you're glad they're not in your life anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's right you know that is absolutely true uh, and, and i struggled for a long time in my in my 20s and 30s trying to figure out why everybody didn't like me you know mm-hmm. why why couldn't you know, why couldn't everybody like me, mm-hmm. you know, patients, you know, at the bedside, you, you would do whatever you could to try to win them over. And no matter what you, you know, would try, you know, you would, you would fail. There's just certain personality types that don't, that don't go together. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, you just can't take it personally, but I think the only, the only way you kind of come to that conclusion is uh, over time yeah. um, and living life and realizing that you're not going to please everybody all yeah. the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as a nurse, maybe you weren't their favorite person, but you still needed to do things that they needed from a nurse during your time with them. Yeah. You know, you negotiate that. And I, it, it always makes me, it goes back for me to uh, long ago um, in, in uh, my own career, which is basically social work and um, has always been related to work with, different kinds of crises and a lot with suicide prevention. But but in, in the, the place where the center where I served as director, in the early days of the center, um, there was some, some overnight housing too because that didn't exist in our community. So there were a variety of things that happened out of this same center. And, and I remember being the one who was going to have to tell somebody that he was just so disruptive and, and disrespectful of other people who were there that he really needed to leave, you know. So so I'm the one who gets to do this. And, and I just explained to him, you know, it's, you know, you, you because of these things that you've done, it's time for you to leave. And, and he looked to me and said, you know, you're the stupidest counselor I've ever met. And I said, well, that may be but you still need to leave, you know? It's like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter right now whether you like me, think I'm dumb. 
this is what needs to happen, you know? So it's like, it, you know, yeah. sometimes we just have to accept that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's an important reminder. Just there, there's kind of chemistry between people. And sometimes even highly skilled people who's, who's, you know, what they're doing is something that, that is important to you. They just aren't the one you want that to be around you doing it. <laughs> that's okay. Right. Yeah, that's okay. So music and poetry, and and I want to, I, I get so interested in sort of how these things come together, but I'm realizing we need to take a quite a little break here. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to hear from a couple of Lawrence, Kansas businesses that sponsor lawrencehits.com. And I say thank you genuinely. I do it every day, and I mean it, to Daniel Smith, who's the producer of the show, because it's Daniel's work with technology that lets people hear the shows. And then we'll be back in just a minute with more talk with me. And today my guest is musician and poet Kevin Perry, also known as K.W. Perry, if you see his name in print on his books. We'll be right back. Thanks. Welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marcia Epstein, and my guest is K.W. or Kevin Peary. And in music circles, Peary, Marshall Peary Project. So I want to hear a little bit about stuff that you're doing out in front of people. Like, do you have some performances that you've been doing? I guess I'm partly wondering, yeah. when did you start doing public performances of poetry and of your music? Well, I, I, I met, I was very fortunate here in Blue Springs. We have a really nice uh, used bookstore on Maine called Inklings Books and uh, Coffee Shop. And so I did a, a reading back in September for the release of Purgatory. And then last week on the 6th of April, I did a poetry reading there uh, at Inklings uh, to promote Wicked Rhythm. Um, and um, pr just prior to that, I, I made a trip down to Bell, Missouri. Um, yeah. I was invited by John Dorsey yeah. um, to join him and Sean Pavey um, and uh, uh, Jason Reberg was down there uh, and Chigger Matthews was down there. And so we did a reading down there as well. So I've I've only done a handful of of uh, public performances, but definitely uh, beginning to get my sea legs and and mm -hmm. look forward to to doing more dates here in the near future. Uh -huh. So only a few public poetry readings so far. How about with the Marshall Perry Project? Are you all out and about uh, places people see you, hear you? Well, we're we're in hiatus right now and have been. Um, uh, but we're getting ready to go back in the studio. So at some point, uh, probably early 2018, we'll begin, uh, you know, uh, talking about how we want to promote that that album. Um, mm -hmm. And Kenny Marshall, he owns a painting uh, business, and it's all new construction. So we're trying to kind of work in between both of our schedules. So yeah. um, coordinating that is, is tough, but, but we're going, I mean, we're committed to doing it um, and, and feel like it's important, you know, for the folks who have listened to us for all these years. Mm -hmm. So are you mostly, uh, people mostly hear your music through the recorded music or in the past, have you all done much being out in front of people performing? Kenny, Kenny plays in a band also called um, Milkman Daddy, and they play our, some of our songs at live performances throughout the Kansas City metro. Mm -hmm. But they're also in hiatus right now because the drummer uh, is having issues and, and needing some surgery. So we're all getting old, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So um, most... Most of, most folks know us and have listened to us through uh, streaming services, you know, whether it be Spotify or Pandora or online radio through Radio Free Texas, um, or they digitally, you know, upload uh, to whatever device they, they have. Mm -hmm. And we're also, we have a, a home base on Reverb Nation um, where they can hear, and oftentimes we'll put up you know, new songs that we're working on when we're in the studio, just to give them kind of a, of an idea of, of the flavor of what we're, of what we're working on. Mm -hmm. 
So at this point, when you guys produce a, an album, do you print some CDs, actual physical CDs with liner notes and all that? Or is is just the way the music market is these days? Is it really all um, online that you purchase and download? Well, up until this point, we've always had physical copies, uh, CD copies of, mm -hmm. of our work. This next album, I do think we are going to just have just digital only available. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's been kind of a, a huge transition that direction. Mm -hmm. We do plan at some point to do a greatest hits collection on vinyl, and yeah. it may be a double vinyl um, uh -huh. with the full liner notes at some point. Uh -huh. We're not there yet, but uh -huh. but we're getting there. Um, we'll have enough to do that probably. Before 2020, we'll we'll have we'll have that out, uh -huh. and I'm not sure who will do the the album artwork. But growing up, Kenny and I both, you know, would go to the record store, buy vinyl, and go home and lock ourselves in our bedrooms and and just listen and escape uh, with a with a with a new album. So we really believe that 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 is kind of the the direction that we want to head is is putting out a limited release on vinyl and then of course having it, everything available um digitally as well yeah it's so interesting to me because in po with poetry and books i love having paper and as i say that it's so funny because i'm the person who i go to I participate in different community meetings there's a, an art group that i'm that i actually we met yesterday and and i never take the paper people hand out you know it's like give me the link tell me where to find it don't hand me a piece of paper but when it comes to books when it comes to poetry um i love being able to turn the page and look at the words laid out on the page you know i i have some poet friends who've done some things via cd and it's like i it just doesn't do it for me in the same way and I, so I was thinking. Right. I was thinking recently about so. So is there some combination? Is there something that that you know? And I don't know if anybody is like me. So who knows? But is there some combination of okay, we have this recording that we can pay for and download, but we also get the liner notes in print. <laughs> right. And what you're seeing a lot of artists do now, like John Prine, um, uh, Tom Russell, um, trying to think of who else. Oh, uh, Radney Foster. They're all putting out songbooks um, with their lyrics, what would be what we would have used to consider liner notes. Uh -huh. Because there's no place in the digital age really for folks unless they're sitting in front of a computer screen or have their phone out to be able to pull up the liner notes while they're listening. So yeah. there's something about having something physical in your hand yeah. to, to look at and, yeah. and go back and revisit. Yeah. I mean, I can vividly remember discovering Shel Silverstein in the oh. liner notes of a Johnny Cash album, oh, interesting. you know? Yeah. I mean, and so that's, you know, there's something to be said about that. Well, and the same holds true for, I, I had no idea who Chris Christopherson was until uh -huh. I, I noticed his name in the liner notes of a Johnny Cash album. Interesting. So. And, and there's that thing about getting people to sign, you know, it's like you can get this poetry book signed by the writer. So, so I'm, I'm thinking, so if you have a songbook that goes with, your hit, you know, your downloaded music. If somebody has a sound book that go, song book that goes with music of yours, they download, and then they catch you at a poetry reading. They could also get you sign the sound the song book. You know, it's a, <laughs> that just makes it even and, more special. <laughs> and because artists are struggling to make money on the actual music, they're basically giving their music away. They yeah. have to find revenue streams that they can capture some money. And right. so that's why I think you're seeing this um, more so now than, than before is they're, mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out a formula that will work so that they can self-sustain. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, folks like John Prine are probably not worried about, you know, 
from, yes. from a financial perspective, not worried about the money, but a lot of these young upstart artists that are just getting started certainly yeah. um, are going to need to figure out how how they're going to make it work. And right yeah. now, touring, you know, live performance and merchandising is, is where they're able to make a living. Yeah. It's, it, it's changed, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty significantly, um, yeah. and and we're still, you know, everything is still trying to to work its way out. It's kind of like when uh, an old farm pond, when the bottom turns up, it takes a while for things to clear up. And mm-hmm. I do think that 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 we're in that period right now. I, I, my general sense is that we're in the middle part of of the game at this stage in the game. I mean, I I feel like within probably the next five years things will kind of settle out and we'll have some sense of of how how that will all play out um um so it'll be interesting Uh, i'm excited for the future it's just you know that's one thing uh, in life for sure is you can count on is change (laughs) Mm And and I will say again to our listeners, we we need to support art. We need to. We need to buy some of those books. We need to buy some of that music. We need to, you know, if you're a t-shirt wearer, buy the t-shirts, you know, like not just because we need to, to spend money in general, but artists need support financially for their art. And that doesn't make it less important because they get some money for it too you know the plumber doesn't come to your home and fix this terrible leak that you have just because she loves being a plumber you know it's like and that's important for us to remember that we need to support the things that are important to us and we need to do you know and it's not saying that we're all you know going to have thousands of dollars you know that we're going to spend on a certain artist but but some people do and they they can do that and will do that and others are putting you know five bucks in the tip jar and it's like that's important too <laughs> yeah it's like, we're talking it's like the old guy about your art i want to i want to make sure that people get to hear more um i would love to have you share another couple poems okay well let me um i'll read uh, read one out of um out of the new collection called Ozark Howler. It's called Off the Record, and it's based on a true story. A um, friend of mine and I, in 1991, were, were both stationed together in San Diego. It's called Off the Record. Uh, we met Cobain off the record in San Diego circa 91. My buddy Scott convinced me to roll along that afternoon. Fresh off the farm, I had no idea who he was or how a 40-minute set could prove to be so instrumental. My friend was killed in an accident off the I-5 in February of 94. Kurt made his grand escape 54 days later. It's been 23 years and change since we buried Scott in Atlanta, and not a day goes by that I don't think of them. Wow. And it's it's hard to think about, you know, losing friends, having friends die. And... At that same time, I love that you say there's not a day goes by that you don't think of him, because that's that's what we want. I, we remember our loved ones. Well, and and in, in that moment that we were able to share together something, uh-huh. well, at the time we felt was so significant. Kurt Cobain and Nirvana uh-huh. um, was, I mean, they absolutely exploded at that time, uh-huh. um, and. Um, the friendship that we shared while we were stationed together and then for him to be killed so suddenly at such a young age, mm-hmm. it left a lasting impression, mm-hmm. not just his exit, but also Kurt's exit just 54 mm-hmm. days after that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a really dark period for me. So uh, it took me a while to get to the point now where I can write about it. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's nice to, to have it on the record now. You know, the moment that we shared together and how that made me feel, um, you know, losing those two guys uh, mm-hmm. so close together. Mm-hmm. So it took a while. You're saying it took a while for you to be able to write that poem after yeah. these deaths happened and that you're yeah. glad that you did. 
that there's something sure. meaningful to you in being able to put that poem on paper. Right. Yeah. I'll read another one that kind of dovetails nicely with this piece. It's called Mentors. Most of my mentors are already dead or dying. I guess that's what happens when Rose gets short and the Reaper appears. Scattered shards of studio sessions spent, pissed drunk on bookers, usually pushing too hard to scramble another hit. Most of my mentors are already dead or dying. So that explains this symphony of sensational voices singing Sun Volt at 3 a.m. Warm hiss, half-inch, 3M analog, a hi-hat splash and hybrid fender squall. Most of my mentors are already dead or dying. So please line up and share some sage advice while his footsteps close the distance. So tell us some about that. What what was behind that poem for you? Well, like we were talking earlier, a number of, of who I felt like were, were my mentors or who were most influential in my life have gotten to a point where they're nearing, you know, the late stage of the, of their life. And many of, of, you know, those folks who were most influential have passed on, mm -hmm. but songwriters, um, you know, that were most influential, certainly Johnny Cash, but like Tom Petty, he's no spring chicken. And I'm, you know, he's probably one of the most influential people that I've been exposed to as well as, uh, like Guy Clark passed away. Um, Towns Van Zant's gone. Uh, obviously Jim Croce has been gone for a long time. There's just a lot of folks who, um, who I feel like have, have been most influential to me, who have, who have passed on, or who are nearing, you know, they're, they're kind of winding things down. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's somewhat frustrating because now now what I find myself doing is finding young upstarts that mm -hmm. you know to to fill in the, those spaces, and it's hard to find folks of that caliber. I mean, there's never going to be another Johnny Cash or Tom Petty or, you know, Charles Bukowski or, you know, Langston Hughes. I mean, there's just not going to be another one like that. But certainly there's a, a lot of young guys and gals out there who I'm cheering for and who kind of fill the gap. But I, I embedded like one of my favorite bands is out of St. Louis, and they actually started out. Jay Farrar started a band with uh, the guy from Wilco, um, uh, Jeff Tweedy, called Uncle Tupelo. But then they they split off from Uncle Tupelo and made Wilco and Sunvolt. So Sunvolt is is in this. I just put singing Sunvolt at 3 a.m. just because. They're one of my favorite bands, and Jay Farrar is certainly one of my favorite American poets and songwriters. Um, and then I've embedded a number of, of references to the studio in there. We record on analog a lot, um, which is kind of an old, old school way of doing it. But we like the low end, warm, you know, sound mm -hmm. that we get from the analog machine. Um, and so, uh, I embedded, embedded that as well. Um, but I think also what I'm doing in this piece is that I'm wrestling with my own mortality. I'm, I'm wrestling with that. Um, because I know that, <laughs> I know at some point, you know, things will begin to wind down for, for, for me. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of working on a lot of, of different things here in this piece. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think that's something we don't tend to talk about. But uh, you know, as as I remind myself and remind friends every time we have um, a loss, it's like, you know, we are so fortunate to have amazing people in our lives, and with every single one of them, either we're going to outlive them or they're going to outlive us. You know, that's, that's life. It also, you know, that's right. Sometimes it's sudden and unexpected. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's some, some warning and sometimes it happens at young ages and sometimes it happens way, way long in life. You know, it's amazing sometimes to, to realize how long some people have had the, the, the their lives. And some people would say, you know, there's, 
I've been ready to go for a long time and I didn't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's complicated, but we need, we need to talk about that. And, and although you said initially that, you know, that there aren't going to be those, um, and you, you listed musicians and, and poets, um, you know, those, we're not going to have those again, but, but then you also said, you know, you're rooting for some, some newer musicians and poets. And I think that's, that's, always got to be the case there are always going to be people doing new art and some of them are going to be outstanding and it may be a while before they are visible enough and recognized but but i think amazing wonderful powerful art is going to be created by new people every year and that any of those names we can say there was a time when somebody thought Johnny Cash, uh, you know, he's just some 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 guy with a guitar, you know, who cares? And then later people realize, well, this person is really doing something very special, you know. So so right. I I'm I'm very optimistic and and want you know I, I I find it overwhelming. It's like there's no end to the music and poetry and stories and and paintings. There's no end to the ones that we could appreciate because they're always being created. New ones are always being created. <laughs> That's a great thing. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and the, the beauty of, of all of this is that uh, so many of this uh, new, young batch of kids that are coming up now have an appreciation for the older stuff and that's where you're seeing all of these artists doing reissues on vinyl because there's a market for it and the, the kids are being influenced by, you know, artists that, that are my grandparents were listening to whenever I was growing up. So I'm, I'm really encouraged by, uh, by this, this young batch of, of, of poets and, and songwriters. I, I just think that uh, it's our responsibility, like you had said earlier, to get out and support them and to echo things through social media to help cross promote mm-hmm. and draw attention to someone who may be, uh, you know, a Dylan caliber type writer mm-hmm. at some point down the line. I mean, Dylan didn't, didn't start out as Bob Dylan. He's, I mean, he started out being a young kid that, you know, uh, had the, he was fortunate enough to, to come in contact with, you know, with Ramblin' Jack Elliott and, and uh, Woody Guthrie. And, you know, what, what happened with Dylan from that point, you know, it, it all served as a catalyst for him early on. And had those guys not given him the time of day, he may not be Bob Dylan. So I just think it's important to to support these these young <laughs> young scribes, so to speak. Um, and I'm going to say not only not only headed, support them, headed, but, headed in the right direction. Yeah, but also recognize that you know, the, the world is changing all the time. Context is changing all the time and technology tools are changing all the time. There are people who can create music in ways that nobody would have thought about 50 years ago. And you know what I mean? So there's, it's, it's not only that they can learn from history and outstanding art created before, but there are some things that can be done that couldn't be done at another time you know even if you take it to a whole different realm the fact of your nursing being through telephone i mean right you know who would have thought that in the 1950s i'm just throwing out some weird number but you know that that some nursing care might be provided by phone not in person by i will say it by a right. woman in a white uniform you know because that would have been the standard at that point right. you know? right. and here you Absolutely. are a man and you use uh-huh. the freaking telephone what's up with that <laughs> <laughs> right and everything is electronic you know yeah. whenever i started in in uh healthcare, everything was on a hard chart it was all uh-huh. handwritten yeah. you know and I've i've been part of that whole yeah. evolution too yeah. um and i never thought in a million years that it would make my life easier when we mm-hmm. transition to electronic medical record yeah. but it has and it speeds things up and it allows more time in the day to do other to do other things and ideally you know, it improves the care that people get because absolutely the, the providers have access to this information more readily than they do if they have to dig through you know 50 pieces of paper that, you know, right. it's, so it's 
mean, that there's that overall goal is that we want to be able to serve people better in terms of healthcare. We get, we got to stop on that one because just (laughs) there's so many needs, but, but the, the, the overall point that, that technology can be something for amazing art as well as other parts of our lives and, and in ways that nobody would have imagined in, in the past. Right. So, so we get to honor our roots and we get to honor our future and we get to honor people who grow up thinking about things differently because the world is different and technology is different and the possibilities are different that they start with than, than when you were born or when I was born, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we get to live life, you know, and that's, you know, whoever we are, whatever age we are, wherever we are, it's our responsibility, you know, to, to live our lives fully. Um, not just selfishly, but also at times selfishly, you know, do things we want to do, but also elevate other people. You know, when, when I think about people who I like, you know, some people I like more than others, it just, there's just different things about people, but I don't like people who are only about promoting themselves. I know that one for sure. <laughs> right. Well, and it's just impossible. Um, in the independent music realm or uh, in poetry uh, circles to to not want, I, I can't imagine not wanting to uh, promote other folks' work. I mean, I'm such a fan of, mm-hmm. of, of many, many people um, that it, it's, I just find it, um, that, I mean, I think that may be one of my major driving factors is, mm-hmm. Who am I going to discover this week, and mm-hmm. how can I help promote that person, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe um, maybe even collaborate with them at mm-hmm. some point if if I really respect them and think that they that that they have the goods as we used to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that it's yeah, I think it's important, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I think after I turn forty that there's this sense of urgency on on my part um to not only create but also like we were talking about to find other artists um and and promote those folks it's it's very fulfilling Mm -hmm. um to be a part of that and that's Um, you and and i applaud you for that and i'm still going to say there's some people who don't see it that way and so i like you kevin (laughs) (laughs) well I like you too, Marcia. Um, and I really appreciate, you know, having an opportunity to, to be on the show. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's always a, a great opportunity to, to have a, a, you know, an audience that you may, that, with folks that may have never heard of you before. Yeah, so yeah. thank you very much. And so I should ask you this before we got on air, but so do you accept friend requests from people who find your page and want to like you on Facebook so they can see poems that you're throwing out there and news about where you're being published and that kind of stuff? How I kind of, I mean, as far as being friended through Facebook, if I, if I see that we have a lot of folks that are, that, that, we have in common, okay. uh, you know, mutual friends. That's generally who I'll accept, okay. um, unless they send me a private message and they can tell me, you know, how <laughs> how they how they discovered, okay. you okay. know, my work. And because there's so many crazy things going on with social media, okay. and uh, you know, you're you get hacked anyway. So it's like, yeah. well, I did, but I'm 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 somewhat careful, but. But certainly, I mean, I have I have the the poetry and lyrics page on Facebook where they can go and like, and I try to I don't share everything that I'm okay. you know that I'm working on like I do on my personal okay. account. Okay. So, the, so um, your poetry and lyrics page, what exactly is that called? It's called uh, K W Peary, uh, and that's P as in Paul E E R Y, okay. um, lyrics and poetry, and it's on Facebook. Okay, yeah. So that's perfect. So, folks, that's where you could find some of the newest stuff that's going on with Kevin Peary and the Marshall Peary Project. You can you can look for maybe he'll toss a new poem up there. Maybe he'll say, "Hey, here's a place where a poem has just been uh, published." Because I want people to to be able to connect and find you, just as you're doing that for right. people. And we're at that point where we got to say goodbye to our listeners. Uh, wow, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Marcia and Daniel. Uh, appreciate having uh, you having me on uh, talk with me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. This has been great. And listeners, I hope that you will check out KW Peary Lyrics and Poetry and Lyrics. Lyrics and Poetry. It's Lyrics and Poetry. You'll find it on Facebook. Yep. And find yeah, Kevin it's on there. <laughs> find, find some of this great stuff going on. Thank you and so long to our listeners.